1: He discouragement from his family. And then he even got grief from the king. You? You're a kid. You're not going to go out there and fight this guy. Saul and David's brothers were walking by what? Sight. They were not walking by faith. When we calculate everything in the human perspective, it will always lead to discouragement. Always. When you look at things from a human point of view, I can guarantee you will be discouraged.
0: Many of us would find it hard to imagine finding the courage to go face-to-face in combat with a giant. Throw in the discouragement of hearing nothing but doubt from those around us, and we have a recipe for disaster. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the importance of walking by faith rather than by sight. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 as he continues his message, Facing the Giant. You are
1: assured. David has complete disdain for Goliath. I love that. And we should have complete disdain for our enemy as well. Our enemy is a slime ball. And he will do anything to get you to come against each other, to fight against each other, to rip you apart, no matter what's going on. That's what he wants to do. We should have disdain for him. We shouldn't even give him the breath to say his name. He has no power here. He's not welcome here because at the name of Jesus, he runs away. You can see the wheels spinning in David's head. Hmm. David's starting to think, this young man. But as in all the plans of God, when we are moved by the Holy Spirit to accomplish something for God, discouragement comes. Discouragement comes. When God calls you to do something, whether it be something minor or whether it be something major, I can guarantee discouragement isn't far behind. Satan knows the end result of what will happen if you start witnessing for Christ. He knows the end result if you start living your life for Christ and showing people the love of Jesus Christ. He knows that. So he is going to do everything in his power to discourage you, to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Let's look at verses 38 through uh, 28 through 39. Now, Alib, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Alib's answer was aroused against David and said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolent of heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. And David said, What have I done? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him just as the first one did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported him to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go out and fight the Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and be a a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David in his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. So enter the naysayers. Here comes the naysayers. You've been called by God. God's going to do a mighty work. He told you that. He opened the book and said, I'm going to do a mighty work. You believed it? You stepped out in faith. You stepped out in faith. When we step out in faith, be prepared for the negatives. Who are you? Why are you so arrogant? Do you think God wants to use you? You really think that God's going to use you in some unknown way? Who do you think you are? How arrogant can you be? I mean, you're going to get that kind of stuff. I remember being at the rescue mission one time, and a friend, and a friend of mine used to always say things like, well, God told me, you know, we've been having this conversation, and we were talking to this one group of men, and, and he went into a state, well, you know, God told me this, and one guy, the guy stood, up, stood right up. He said, wait a minute. He said, you talk to God? And my friend said, yeah. His words. Well, you arrogant SOB. He didn't use the abbreviation. How dare you think that you can talk to God? Negativity. People think that, you know, people don't understand. There's always negativity. Much of this will come from your own household, by the way. Much of the negativity is going to come from those who you love, those who you think are supporting you. You're going to do what? What are you, crazy? What are you, nuts? Oh, yeah, sure, you heard from God. Next thing you'll be known, tell me to build an ark. Jesus said this would happen. Jesus declared that this was happened in Matthew 10, 36. Micah said this in Micah 7, 5 through 7. He said basically the same things. Elid, the brother, was angry and he ridicules David. Why are you here? And by the way, who's minding dad's sheep? What are you doing here? Who do you think you are, you scrawny rat? Get out of here. I was the scrawny rat because I was the young brother. I had older brothers. I never had any younger brothers. His brothers saw the anointing of David. They were there. They were there when Saul anointed David as king. Did they not understand? Did they not know what was going on when they saw that? Did they think it was just a big hurrah? They failed to understand this meaning. So David had to deal with discouragement from his family, and then he even got grief from the king. You? You're a kid. You're not going to go out there and fight this guy. Saul and David's brothers were walking by what? Sight. They were not walking by faith. When we calculate everything in the human perspective, it will always lead to discouragement. Always. When you look at things from a human point of view, I can guarantee you will be discouraged. We're not to look at things from the human standpoint, we're not to look at things that are temporary. We're supposed to look at the eternal. The eternal. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind. Keep Jesus in your eyes, son. Picture him walking ahead of you. The author and finisher of your faith for the joy who set before him, despising all same, sat down at the right hand of God after enduring the cross. I know I butchered the scripture. Fix your eyes on Jesus and follow him. Follow him. Nothing is impossible with God. When we walk by faith and big, bring God into the equation, everything is now possible. I almost called this message lions and bears and giants, oh my. Because David said, I fought lions and bears, I killed them. And not this uncircumcised Philistine is just going to be like one of them because he defiled our God. I love David's point of view. He sees no difference between the lions and the bears and this uncircumcised Philistine. He said, if I can kill them, this guy's a breeze. I'll take this guy right out. They're both the same. You know, these scriptures are really powerful. David says the enemy of God is no different than the enemy of man. So any enemy of God is an enemy of ours. Enemy enemy of God is an enemy of ours. And here comes the kicker in verse 37. I'll reread it. I love it. Moreover, David said, listen to his perspective. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. What faith. What faith. He was now filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, had the boldness of the Holy Spirit, and he was stepping out. He was stepping out. He was encouraged. Oh, we need this kind of faith. This is the kind of faith we need to win people to Christ in in, in lower Cape May. This is the kind of faith we need down here. For those who walk by faith rather than sight, they obey God, not men. When you walk by sight, you obey man and not God. And we're going to read in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, that David was encouraged by God. God always encouraged him and wanted nothing more than to rid the nation of this menace. In spite of all the discouragement, David trusted in his Lord. We need to learn this. We need to learn this. This has to be our cry. We trust in the Lord and the Lord only. It's his battle. Nay, the battle has already been fought and won on a cross. When discouragement comes, and it will, when giants come, and they will, we must walk by faith. If you're walking on your own power, if you're walking in your own strength, you let me know how that goes for you. You let me know how easy it's been walking in your own strength and your own power. You let me know. But when you trust in the Lord, he's going to be with you, and he'll see you through, and he'll even encourage you during the midst. How does he encourage us? Through the study of his word. He encourages by his spoken word right here. He encourages us page after page after page is nothing but encouragement to us. We must take it, devour it, and then apply it to our lives because this is God's written word to us. And if we would read it in steady basis and meditate on it and allow it to do what's necessary in our lives, we would find encouragement. Now, who doesn't want to see a picture of David in the king's armor? I'd love to see that. Can you imagine that? The helmet probably's down over like this. He, Kai, can't see. He's got this chainmail on him. He probably can't even stand up. He's probably going like this. The king's probably trying to hold him up. But this must have been a source of lovely sight. I'm going to see it. But David was prepared by God. He was guided by God and he was encouraged to walk in God's steps. And now God enables him to do what he's called to do. Let's finish it out. Verse 39. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began to draw near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come with me to with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp... Of the Phil- I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord and he will give you into our hands. Oh, I love that. So it was when the Philistine came and arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran through the army of the Philistines. Then David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Kekron. And the wounded Philistines fell along the road to Sherem, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O Lord, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Wow. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Here he places David in one of the most impossible situations a person can ever be. Maybe he's 17, 20 at the very most. He's going up against a seasoned veteran, a guy who is head and total taller than anybody in the entire world mainly, heavy pounds, and armed to the T with military might, has all this stuff around him. You can't possibly hurt this guy. You can't possibly get him. David strips off Saul's armor, picks up five stones, and goes to meet Goliath with his sling, just the way he defeated the lions and bears in the fields. One commentator suggested this about the five stones. They represented God's grace because that is where the victory was won. Five is the number of grace in the Bible. So the five stones represents God's grace. I like that. Another suggested that maybe Goliath had four brothers. We don't know. Doesn't say why he chose five stones. David seems most comfortable because why? He knows the Lord is with him. And I think I told you this story before. It's worth repeating. When Elizabeth Elliot was going back to the tribe that killed her husband, Elizabeth Elliot was going back to the tribe that killed her husband. Somebody asked her, "Aren't you not afraid?" And her answer was, "How can I be afraid when the Holy Spirit is with me?" That was what her answer. And she ended up leading the very man who killed her husband to the Lord. There's no fear when you're doing the will of the Lord. There should be no fear. David's not looking for glory. David is not looking for glory. Instead, he's giving all the glory to God. He's giving all the glory to God. Look at verses 45 through 47. He wanted desperately for the Philistine to know that there was one true living God. He knew that this was not between he and Goliath. It was not between he and Goliath. It was between the living God of Israel and the false gods of the Philistine. He knew that his God would prevail. David had faith that his God would prevail. David had experienced the power of God in his own life, and now he expected God to do something moderately. I love this guy. This guy is so cool. And I tell people, when you come to church, you expect God to do something. You expect God to do something in your area. You're just showing up because that's what you're supposed to do on Sunday and Wednesday. When you come to church, you should have an expectation. God, answer my prayer. Show me this thing through your word. Talk to me. Speak to me. Show me. We should have expecting hearts when we're listening to the word of God. We should have an expecting heart. Because this is where the healing takes place. Healing takes place by the word of God. And people are touched. And That's why we teach the word of God. Because it's only by the word of God that we're going to grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We can't dismiss it. We need to expect, and we're expecting from God. God is a rewarder for those who earnestly seek Him. He rewards people who earnestly seek Him and come and go, I know. You want to speak to me today? What is it about? I've been, I've been, this giant is in my life. He's really bugging me. And I need to get rid of him. I need to know how I can get rid of him. God sent his champion into the world that through the world he might be saved. We might be saved from God's champion, who defeated all the giants ever known to man. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are strong if we would stand in His power and His strength. Ephesians six ten. Be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. No, the power of His might. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's God who is the victor. The battle belongs to the Lord. As we look at this story facing the giant, we see several victories. First and foremost, it was the Lord's victory. The Lord gets all the credit. Praise God. David quickly gives the Lord the credit. David doesn't take any credit for himself. He knows that it was the Lord's victory. He did everything he could to glorify God. Goliath had blasphemed God, and he had ridiculed God, and David set the record straight. God wants us people to magnify His holy name here on earth. Every weapon David used... A sling, a shepherd's weapon. God used to defeat the giant and said Philistine army into craziness. David knew that his power came from God. David threw away conventional weapons. He threw away conventional weapons. Look at 2 Corinthians four. And for for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our when your obedience is fulfilled. Praise God. Paul says we don't fight with material things. We're in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, folks. He tells us how to deal with that in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. Putting on the armor of God, he tells us how to deal with it. The Corinthian Christians tended to rely on and admire carnal weapons. And during their battle, instead of the battle of truth, they fought with manipulation. Instead of the breastplate of righteousness, they looked for an image of success. They looked for all things to fulfill what God wanted to do materially and physically instead of spiritually. Jesus relied on spiritual weapons. Jesus relied on spiritual weapons, even when he came against Satan. When he came against Satan, when he's being tempted, it is written. In the word of God, he relied on spiritual weapons, and that we need to do that too. Our spiritual weapons are scorned by the world. The world thinks we're crazy, but they're feared by demonic powers. Our spiritual blessings, our spiritual stuff. When we fight with truth, when we fight with righteousness and evangelism, when we fight with faith and salvation, when we fight with the word of God and prayer, no principality can stand against us. Because we are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. It was God's victory and it was David's victory. He was now at the center of everybody's eye. They're going to sing songs about him and Saul. David killed ten thousands, while Saul killed only a 1,000. This is going to make Saul very, very upset. It was Israel's victory. Israel won a great battle over the Philistines, but it was Saul's defeat. It was Saul's defeat. Saul could possibly feel the kingdom slipping away from his hands. He could do nothing about it. He might have heard about David's ascension to the throne. Leaked stories leak out. His, David's brothers could have told the men that this happened. They don't know. But he was the clear loser in all this. Saul asking about David. Why did Saul ask about David? This puzzled my mind. I did some study on this one and I haven't come to a concluded answer. The Bible's not wrong. There's no contradictions. I believe that. But it clearly says that Saul asked asked Abner, whose father is that? Whose father is that? Didn't he know David? David was with him back and forth for five years. He should have known David. Did David mature that much that he didn't recognize him? I don't think so. There's several reasons that might be plausible here. Several reasons that might be plausible. Number one, remember the daughter was part of the reward, so he would have to know who the father was, the lineage of the person he was giving his daughter to. Also, remember that part of the reward was the father would not have to pay taxes, so he would have to know who the father was. So I really struggled with this. I couldn't find a definitive answer. It's just some things that we're just going to have to... uh, pray about, and see if the Lord would lead us and guide us. You know, I looked up and studied. I didn't, I didn't find anything that was sufficient that I would want to tell you about. I want to leave you with this. There are many battles in the Christian walk. In fact, the Christian walk is not a playground. It's a battlefield. And you're going to be in many battles, and there'll be giants will face us. Things that we think we can't overcome, things that we think that will get the best of us. We must walk by faith. Satan was defeated a long time ago on the cross. He was defeated. He has no power over you except that which you give him. He has no power He is powerless for those who are walking in the Spirit, abiding in Christ, and have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you have the Spirit inside you, Satan can't touch you. He can oppress you. He can drive you crazy. He can try to do things to you, but that's it. We must walk in victory by faith and faith alone. I'm going to leave you with 1 John 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. That's what overcomes the world. We are overcomers by believing in Jesus Christ. Amen?
0: You are a sure hope. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Schenck today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises, and it may not look like you'd always wanted to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future, though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear. God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series and the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.